Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His Church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. Today we talk to attorney Alan Parker. I think you're going to like it. Well, what a privilege to have a good friend of mine, Alan Parker, who's a lawyer from Texas, but uh, quite, quite an attorney, just an amazing man. I'm so proud of him. And I'll give a little bit more introduction, but just let me first just say, Alan, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Thank you, Randy. It's a great honor to be here with you. Let me tell a little bit more about Alan. And this is amazing to me. He is the co-founder of the Justice Foundation, which has a goal seeking to pray, litigate, educate, and advocate for life, liberty, and justice. Uh, Alan's a former professor of law at two different universities in Texas. He's a member of the bar of the U.S. Supreme Court, which folks, if you're not a lawyer, you don't know, but that's pretty special by itself. Uh, In fact, it was Alan's organization, believe it or not, who represented Norma McCorvey. She's the Roe of Roe v. Wade and Sandra Cano, the Doe of Doe v. Bolton. Now, they were the ones that wanted, asked for abortion, but afterwards, and I'm I'm sure he'll tell us about this a little bit, changed their mind and wanted to reverse this case. And and he, his organization represented them for over 12 years to try to reverse these cases, unfortunately not successful yet. But not only is Alan a distinguished attorney seeking end of abortion in our nation, he's also a revivalist, seeking to see revival, spiritual revival and awakening come again to America. But he believes that neither of these goals is possible without massive repentance on our part. So welcome again, Alan, and thank you for taking time to be with us. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Yeah. So let's let's just let's start by that. How was it that you ended up representing uh, the role of Roe v. Wade, which is Norma, and the Sandra of Doe v. uh, uh, Bolton? how did, how did that come about? Well, that happened back in the year 2000. And uh, I went to my first March for Life in Washington, D.C. I had been kind of nominally pro-life. I voted pro-life and sure. I, I felt it was wrong. But I went to my first March for Life and I met Norma at that event. And on the way back in the Dallas airport, it hit me that Norma and Sandra who are the two women whose cases brought abortion to America. Everybody's heard of Roe v. Wade. Doe v. Bolton was the companion case, which created the health exception. So here's two women who won landmark decisions asking for abortion. Well, in 2000, both of them had come out publicly saying, no, in Norma's case, she said, I was wrong. I wanted abortion. I now worked in abortion clinics and it was evil. And I, my conscience bothered me and I've given my life to Jesus Christ as my savior. I'm going to spend the rest of my life 
fighting against my own case, Roe v. Wade. Wow. Wow. And in Sandra's case, mm -hmm. Sandra actually was a victim of an attempted coerced abortion. Mm. When she told me her story on February 11, 2000, she said, Mr. Parker, that case has been a doom on my shoulders ever got involved in wow. it. Wow. She was trying to recover some children who'd been taken away from her by Child Protective Services. Mm -hmm. Her mother wanted to have an abortion. And so they said, if you don't have this abortion tomorrow, because Georgia already allowed, if three judges felt you need, I mean, excuse me, three doctors felt you needed a therapeutic abortion for your health, you could get one. Right. So they got her one. Mm -hmm. And uh, she took the suitcase they prepared for her to go into the hospital and fled to Oklahoma to stay with her grandmother so she didn't have to have an abortion. <laughs> so this is fraud on the court. Sure, sure it is. Sure and it if, is. if you go to our website, thejusticefoundation.org, mm -hmm. you can read both Norma and Sandra's Roe and Doe's sworn testimony to the Supreme Court of the United States, wow. why they want their own cases reversed. That so that's how we, we had an, an, another lawyer had asked if we do a friend of the court brief for them in another case. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. So when they called and asked us to do that, I said, yes. But I also said, you know, over the weekend or about within the last 30 days, the Lord gave me idea that you guys could file your own motions. Sure. And they, and they both said, well, we would love to do that. Wow. And the, the other thing the Lord told me to do was not just that they wanted to reverse their case, but that uh, the pro-life movement had been saying, this is a human being for a long time. Right. What hit me hadn't been said was abortion hurts women. And so the Lord told me to collect testimonies of women hurt by abortion, mm -hmm. and we put them together. And we had about a thousand at the time. We filed Roe and Doe's motions to reverse their case. That is so. But unfortunately, but unfortunately, the Supreme Court declined mm -hmm. to hear their case. They didn't rule against Norma and Sandra. They just said, "We don't want to hear your case at this wow. time." And that's something. that's no precedential value. And in fact. In this Mississippi case, which is going to be argued on December 1st, yes. we put into our briefs again, by the way, remember that Norma and Sandra, Rowan Doe, the cases Mississippi is asking you to reverse, the women wanted you to reverse their that's case. Something. And that's something. Where else, where else in our court system has it ever happened like that? that the ones that asked for it changed their mind, went back to the court and say, I've changed my mind. Can you undo it? And court just ignores them completely. But yeah, that's amazing. Has that happened anywhere else? No, but it's very consistent with the word the scripture gave, the Lord gave me to confirm that I was supposed to do this. Okay. You know, sometimes you get an idea yeah, and yeah. I prayed for, I prayed for 30 days. Lord, yeah. is this really you? Yeah. Do you want it? And on the day that Sandra uh -huh. Doe told me the story of deception, right. I found through my wife, not looking for the scripture, Isaiah 28, 14 to 22. Okay. And it's God saying to the mocking judges, behold, you've made a covenant with death. Mm. You've made an agreement with the grave. Yeah. You don't think you've, you, you don't think you'll be hit by the overwhelming scourge because you've covered yourself with fraud. Mm -hmm. And so then God said in that passage, he was going to end the covenant with death and he would do it as he did at Baal Perazim 
where David called him the Lord, the master of breakthroughs. And he says he would do amazing, unusual things. So first we have two women who want, who, who won landmark cases, want to reverse their cases. And then the next thing is really the election of Donald Trump was amazing, extraordinary, unusual. Getting Neil Gorsuch. And, and remember this, Donald Trump told the American people, I, if I'm elected, I'll appoint three judges who will reverse Roe v. Wade. And America voted for him. Yeah, that's right. That's and then right. Neil Gorsuch, they had to use the nuclear option to that's get true. him on the court. Yeah, yeah. Kavanaugh had to go through the hearing from hell. Hmm. And, and then Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Rosh Hashanah, the high holy day of repentance on oh, the Jewish calendar. Sure. And then Amy Coney Barrett got through yeah. with the Republicans holding unusually strong yeah. on an issue yeah. Yeah. of life. Yeah. So we've seen it and it's amazing right yeah. now. This Mississippi case is a, is amazing. Yeah. I, I want now most of our listeners and viewers are not attorneys. And even those that are attorneys will not necessarily know the specifics. But let me just tell you how crazy this whole thing is. Back on January 21, 1973, that's a day before Roe v. Wade was decided in Michigan. Abortion. Yes, January 22nd was the day it was decided. Yes. On the day before, abortion was a felony crime in Michigan. On January 22, because of Roe v. Wade, abortion became a, quote, revered constitutional right. And I want our listeners just to understand what the Supreme, what games the Supreme Court played to enact abortion across the country. Again, they are supposed to be under the law, the Constitution. I got a copy of the Constitution right here. And they're supposed to be under this. And they're supposed to be, we're supposed to be a nation of laws, not a nation of men that capriciously and arbitrarily make decisions. Well, they went to the, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, which was enacted, by the way, in 1868, having nothing to do with abortion. And they picked out the so-called due process clause of this amendment. And I'll read that. It says, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Now, believe it or not, that is the, the, the phrase that our Supreme Court decided in 1973, a majority of the Supreme Court. What that clause means is that a woman has a right to end her, her pregnancy until the child at least is, quote, viable outside the womb. And they didn't set that particular time, but, but that, and you say, wait a minute, that says you can't deprive a person of life without due process of law. Well, well, well wait a minute. The Supreme Court said, you gotta be a person. And until that child is viable, it's not a person, but the woman's a person and you can't deprive her of her liberty without due process of law. And her liberty, the, the liberty is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision to terminate the pregnancy, said the Supreme Court. So when Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, he obviously was referring to abortion. And uh, when it says, you know, the preamble to the Constitution, talking about the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, isn't that ironic? to provide the common defense and so on and, and secure the blessings of quote, liberty, which now includes abortion, 
not only to us, but to our posterity that we can actually kill because of that definition. So I'm just saying it was preposterous from the beginning what the Supreme Court did. They said, we need to do abortion and we're just going to come up with, a, with an argument that's going to, we're just going to wave our hands and say, here it is. And so, and then you say that the two women that were the, the plaintiffs in those cases, they, they would like to change the whole decision. But the Supreme Court said, nope, nope, we need it. This was good. And so we were, it was forced down us on these, these judges that are appointed for life on the Supreme Court. Talk about the lack of justice. But today we have six judges who are open-minded okay. as to whether or not reverse Roe v. Wade should be reversed. Mm -hmm. And you want a judge to be open-minded yes. and to listen to the arguments and the evidence. And I represent the moral outcry petition. Mm -hmm. The founder mm -hmm. is Melinda Tebow. And anyone can sign the moral outcry petition at themoraloutcry.com. And we put their names in the briefs. So right now in the Mississippi case, which will be argued December 1st and decided by June of next year at some point, right? Uh, people can sign the petition. And like we had 539,108 signatures in our brief asking the Supreme Court to reverse Roe v. Wade. Super. And an, another amazing thing is that Kavanaugh and Gorsuch co-authored a book in 2016 with 10 other judges, eight other judges, and it's called The Law of Judicial Precedent. Mm. I mean, when do you reverse a Supreme Court case? And one of the reasons, Section 47D, is if the decision has been met with general protest, dissatisfaction, as you've just expressed, mm -hmm. and severe criticism. That's good. So we... We actually call abortion a crime against humanity, and there's five reasons why it should be reversed under the law of precedent. It's a crime against humanity. It's not just wrong. It's as wrong as Dred Scott and slavery. Right. It's as wrong as Plessy versus Ferguson and segregation forever. Yes. Those were crimes by the Supreme Court, which everyone says were wrong. Then we show New evidence shows life begins at conception. Another client I represent in the case is the first formerly frozen human embryo mm. to ever file a brief before the U.S. Supreme Court. Wow. Catch the wording. We're all former embryos, but this young lady, Hannah, was a frozen embryo for two years outside her mother's womb. She was frozen right after fertilization, and she lived as a three-cell embryo for two years. So, Randy, she was viable outside the mother's womb in the language of Roe v. Wade. Yep. God has allowed science to overcome the Supreme Court. I love it. So that's what, and we've asked for five minutes of oral argument for her, which is extraordinary relief, but it's extraordinary to have the first formerly frozen human embryo ever appear before the court. And the central issue of the case is when does viability occur? Yeah, or, are, and are pre-viability pre -viability bans constitutional? Oh. So we're hoping to get that. And uh, it's, it's, okay. it's important. The third reason is abortion hurts women. Yep. And, there's, and there's a better alternative. Yep. called the safe haven law in every state right no if abortion were outlawed today 
no woman in America would have to parent a child she doesn't want right. or can't take care of. Right. She can drop the baby off at a hospital or fire station in every state yep. within a certain period of time after birth. Yep. And the last thing is, there's a million families waiting to adopt newborn children every year in America. That's right. So don't kill the baby. Don't hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. We'll have mercy for the mother. Yep. Give and don't give us the baby and we'll give it to the loving homes vetted by the state yep. ready to adopt newborn children. It's a love, that. love, love solution. That is, that is great. That is great. Uh, you know, I was a juvenile court judge for a number of years and, and uh, I remember a couple of cases that were very, uh, very similar. That was just a, they were a couple of weeks apart. Uh, both um, pregnancies of the women who were releasing their babies for adoption both women, uh, the, the, the conception occurred with a forcible rape. They were at a shopping mall, going back to their car, were grabbed, brought into a van, raped. Both became pregnant, didn't go to abortion. They could have legally, but they chose to give life to these kids. And, and so a lot of people say, oh, but at least in a you know, rape case that you should really. Why is capital punishment of the innocent unborn child a just consequence for rape? And in both instances, I, I, there was not a dry eye in the courtroom on either one of the cases, including my own. When I said to these, these dear college uh, co-eds, I said, you know, there are other alternatives you could have taken, but you showed love to this child. And you are, you, you, the other way you're showing love is that you're not in a position to raise this child, but you gave this child life and you're giving this child to a family that will raise this child. And I'm so proud of you. And uh, we're all in tears, but it was just amazing the courage and love that these women showed. And children are just so precious. They're made by God and uh, they're not to be thrown away like, you know, "Ah, we just don't want it, don't need it. And so on. Now, December 1, let let me add one more. Let me one more quick thing. Go ahead. We uh, we represent thousands of women hurt by abortion. Yes, we. we put 4,728 legally admissible written testimonies of women hurt by abortion into the moral outcry brief, footnote 26. And what I've, the reason it relates to rape, your ladies made the life choice. Yes. What many of the women who chose abortion tell us is that they then began to feel like a criminal sure. and like a murderer. So they thought this would be the answer. Yeah. This is the lie of the abortion industry. Yeah. Let's take care of your problem yeah. by killing someone. Yeah. No, then they began to do it. Yeah. And many of the women who kept their baby felt it was life affirming yeah. in the midst of this tragedy yeah. Yeah. to give life to another human. Yeah. But, yeah. but killing the baby made them feel guilty right. as murderers. That's right. I mean, how nice it would be if a simple surgical procedure could take away the deep emotional pain of incest and rape and you know, sexual assault. It, it's, it, does, it, it, it adds, as you pointed out, it adds to the pain. Yes, and incest incest abortion allows the incest to continue. That's true. Because the person who is doing it is happy to, he is destroying the evidence and the abuse continues. Once you say that, people realize, oh, we really don't want that. Rape is always hard, but incest just allows the abuse to continue. So, Alan, are you going to be making the argument before the Supreme Court? Well, at this point, only the Lord knows the future, and I don't boast about it. Uh, but 
we're praying into it and we're I'm very I'm confident that the Lord may give us that five minutes of time. That'd be great. And if not, then just asking for it. And we would never do it yeah. for this reason. Yeah. Yeah. But at, because it, it is truly extraordinary. I had three other briefs we didn't ask for it in. Her case is extraordinary and historic. So uh, but it, it will force the courts to consider her brief very carefully and read her testimony. Yeah. And there's her first baby photo is in a Petri dish at the three state cell stage. And then uh, the next photo of her is as a eight month old baby. And then the last one is 22 year old college student graduating from college. That's so awesome. That's really And so a picture's worth a thousand years. But the the, the oral argument is December 1st and you're you're really calling people to, you know, be on the steps of the, the Supreme Court to, go before abortion clinics, wherever they can go, but to have a people coming together to pray on, on that day and actually the day before the day afterwards. Explain that a little bit, would you? Yes. We're putting forth a call for national and international repentance for uh, and solemn assemblies, plural, regarding abortion on December 1st, 2021. Okay. Uh, that's the day of oral argument. So what we want, some people will be in D.C. And there's going to be a website called nationaldayofrepentance.org. Mm-hmm. It's being hosted by Intercessors for America. That'll come out November 1st, in case you're listening to this before that date. But after November 1st, you can go to nationaldayofrepentance.org. Number one, we're going to have a 24 to 72 hour Zoom call the day before, the day of and the day after. So you could join us on the line, Mm -hmm. praying and repenting for abortion. You can watch the oral argument on our website that day, which is the Supreme Court until this year has never televised their oral argument. For sure. For sure. And so that's amazing and unusual. This I believe this will be the most watched oral argument in American history before maybe a couple of hundred people could get in there and watch. it, And that was it. Yeah. So uh, and and people can pray in their church. If you're a pro-life person and I maybe call on the citizens of Grand Rapids to organize some prayers in front of the abortion clinics that day mm-hmm. and to do acts of repentance, signing the moral outcry petition mm-hmm. will get your name in the next brief, whatever it is, maybe with 750,000 or a million people. That's our next goal. Yep. Uh, that's an act of repentance. You're letting your voice be heard. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the Bible, it says books of remembrance are written in heaven for those who fear the Lord. And we're strategizing how they could help make a better society. That's in Zechariah and the book of Malachi, if you read it. Um, but you could you could give money mm-hmm. to a uh, crisis pregnancy center. Mm-hmm. Help these women who often are lied to by the abortion industry. Uh, I We don't condemn any woman who's had an abortion. Jesus didn't condemn the world. He right. came to save the world. Right. There's forgiveness and healing. Yes. And tell people about the, for, this is not the unforgivable sin. It's a terrible sin. Yep. It's a devastating sin. Yep. Yep. You can suffer for decades. And if you are unrepentant, then like with all sin, you can suffer an eternity in hell. That's right. Because God wants to forgive you. Yep. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for this sin. Yes. And, and think about it. 
The greatest crime in humanity in history occurred when the son of God was killed by men. And yet God brought the greatest glory for humanity. It's the key to eternal salvation for those who choose to repent, which just simply means say, my God, I agree with you. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Forgive me for my sin. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if you mean that, God will enter your heart. You'll be born again and have eternal life. That's really good. So, Alan, let's assume for sake of argument that uh, the Supreme Court reverses Roe v. Wade, says that we were wrong in this decision, and it is up to the states now to decide whether abortion is legal or not. There are some states in the union that will say it's legal in our state, and abortion will continue. Is that not correct? Uh, that is correct. There's a mix of states right now. And about 12 to 15 would ban abortion right away. Right, right. But let me, let me say that even in those states that ban it right away, like Texas or Arkansas, right. no woman would have to parent that child if she doesn't want to. Right. And that that's not stated very often. It doesn't just become this big battle and women in those states that are banned suddenly have no alternative. They have a free alternative from society. We'll take your baby and simply transfer it to the millions of women waiting to adopt newborn children. So it's not the end of the world, even if you're pro-choice and you're in a a state that immediately bans abortion. But you're right. Now, there's two ways they could decide it. You've mentioned the most probable way. They'll say it's an issue for the states. But you also read the Constitution. The Constitution says there's a right to life. And how have so they could say, though it's less likely, and and Mississippi hasn't really asked for that in this case. They've simply asked for Roe to be reversed and the states to be allowed to do what they do. So that makes it. But someday the court could say, you know what? We we created mm-hmm. segregation, even though the Constitution said equal protection for all citizens right. after Civil War. But then the Supreme Court said, no, no, no. For African-Americans, it'll just be separate, but equal. Right. Yep, yep. So now they've said, oh, there's a right to life in the Constitution. But if you're an infant life in the womb, you don't get that full protection right we've taken away from a class of human beings that's the definition of a crime against humanity when you withdraw legal protection from a class of human beings so another reason to sign the petition you're generating the national will how do you correct a crime against humanity you have to give legal protection to that class of human beings yet you have to you have to stop segregation you have to stop slavery you have to stop slaughtering the jews and the holocaust You've got to turn around and do the right thing. And that's where we need to end up as a country. Well, it'd be great. But I want to go, I want to turn a little corner here. Um, And I could talk personally. I mean, I've been pro-life forever. But I haven't really been pro-child in a totally same way. Well, let me me unpack that just a little bit. Again, you know, killing an unborn child, terrible idea. And yet, why do people have abortions? I mean, there's a Wall Street Journal article months back that said, why do women have abortions? And they took a survey and, and, uh, you know, 25%, well, I'm not old enough, mature enough to have this or raise this child. I'm not ready. 23%, I'm not ready for another child. 19%, 
I can't afford a baby right now, 8%. I'm done. I've I've got how many kids I want. I don't really want any more. 7%, I don't want to be a single mother. 4%, it'll interfere with my education or career. Nobody said, you know what? I really want to kill an unborn baby. Not one. And I thought, you know what? Those are the same reasons that people... Christian people, including me, when we were first married, I didn't even think about it. I said, Marsha, you know, I'm, I was an officer in the Navy and the Pentagon, and we got to make a little extra money. Marsha, you're going to have to work, so you're going to teach. You got a degree in teaching and uh, birth control. You know, we're going to make sure we don't, but, you know, we're going to be intimate, but no kids. We can't have any kids. Some of the same reasons that people have abortions. And uh, then after a year or two, we said, okay, let's, quote, start our family. I really hate that expression. You really get started when you walk down the aisle, you know, and you become husband and wife. But anyhow, uh, so then Marcia got pregnant with Michelle, and we had Michelle, and then Renee, and Alicia, and Mary, four lovely, lovely daughters. And we really couldn't fit any more in our car or our house. Quite sure we couldn't afford any more. And I wanted an airplane, okay? I was private pilot that was and so we're done we got to be done now and my dear bride Marcia I love her to pieces she prayed this very fervent she said God I'd like to have another baby but you if you want us to have more then you change Randy and as I began to have my devotions Psalm 127 was just one of many, you know, parts of scripture that just hit me in the face and finally said, okay, because years ago I said to the Lord, you are my boss, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. But I, I had never really given this area to him. I thought this was up to us to decide. So we gave this area to God. And a few months later, Marsha pats her stomach and says with a smile, I feel a little lightheaded, Randy. I thought, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I could actually, in my imagination, I could see it was a Cessna 206, a six-passenger airplane. It was green and white, for the record, in a spiral graveyard spiral down. Aren't you happy, Randy? Oh, yeah, happy. Oh, shame on me. That was David, who is now in Colorado, University of Colorado professor. And then Susie, who was leading kids to the Lord in her neck of the woods and John and Scott and Lori and Daniel, I could just brag about each one. And in their own way, touching lives, and God even provided the resources. And 15 passenger van dropped basically out of the sky. I mean, it's just so now we have 12 kids. And I've written about it, you know, in our book, you know, Sweeter by the Dozen, making Jesus the Lord of our family size. I mean, there's so many implications, but one of those is if Christians claim to be pro-life, but, but basically are, we're sympathetic with, with why people have abortions. We say, yeah, I understand why you don't want to raise this baby. It costs money and you're busy, and, but you can't kill it. But what I'm saying is that I have the same motivation, the same result, no child, a different means. And I asked, you think God is really impressed And then we could talk about the population issue. And I don't want to spend forever on this thing, but we have underpopulation in America today. It takes 2.1 babies per female, not per married woman, but per female, just to break even. 
Wondery plays for her, Wondery plays the man, and point one for those that can't have or won't have a child. And we have been below 2.1 in America since 1970. And demographers, these are not Christian crazy you know, people, these are secular demographers. They say that the world population is gonna to begin to decline in about 30 to 35 years, and there's no turning it back. We're gonna be a bunch of old people and there'll be insufficient resources to pay for our medical needs. And if you think there's pressure to kill unborn, there's gonna be pressure to kill seniors who cannot afford the, the, the cancer treatments and this, and they just take this pill and goodbye. So I, I went on for quite a, a long time with my little tirade here, but I wanna talk about the attitude. We need to have an attitude that God is the one that makes children in the womb, read Psalm 139, and that he needs to be Lord of even this area of our life. What do you think of that, Alan? Well, I have fought against the Chinese communist one-child policy, mm -hmm. and then they, liber they liberalized a little bit to two-child, but it's still coercive because yeah. if you're having sex, you're going to have more than two pregnancies. Uh, <clears throat> but in America... We have a compulsory two-child policy by one of the strongest social customs and mores left in America. It, if two-child is all anybody ought to have, I find that rampant in my own family. And uh, so it, it is a it. It goes back even deeper to what you said. Yeah. You told God you get make Him the Lord of your life. Yeah. And that's what salvation is. And we have become a nation of lukewarm Christians, yes. if at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that someone who's lukewarm is a Christian yet. You, because Jesus said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Jesus in the book of Revelation said some very serious things to five New Testament churches. Shortly after he'd gone to heaven, spirit-filled churches, I presume, uh, not far off the founder was there, and five out of seven were give them very stern warnings yes. of either repent or judgment, yeah. severe discipline would come against you. Mm. I say to people sometimes, would Jesus make war against his own church? And people are horrified. No, 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 of course not. And Jesus is too loving, too kind. A loving father disciplines his children. And in Revelation 3, it says, if you do not repent, I will make war against you. Mm. And he's talking to his own church. Yeah. At the end, he says, because I am a loving God, I discipline those I love. Therefore, you need to be zealous yep. and repent. It, there are some people who think that, well, another point he says, he'll, he'll actually lay his own church members on a bed of sickness in one church because they are, and I've got about 5% left. I'm sorry. Okay. So. All right. Okay. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, I'm wondering. All right. Well, this is good. And we, maybe we need to come back and pick this up again, because you've got a heart that goes along with, with what where, where God has led me, that God is speaking to America, to the American church and saying, repent, be all in like I was yes. all in for you. I gave my life for you. And it's time that you decide that you're willing to give your life for me, whatever it looks like. Have another child, uh, be willing to go yes. to jail, 
whatever it takes, are you willing to do it all? Isn't that right, Alan? Yes. Well, brother, that's absolutely yeah. right. That's what advances the kingdom of God. Amen. How about closing us in prayer? Thank you. Lord, I believe you're saying, America, return to me, and I will return to you. Amen. And you said that about 149 times in the scripture. You said it to the Jewish people who were your beloved chosen people, the apple of your eye. And yet you sent them into captivity because they turned their back on you. Father, I confess that we and our forefathers and our judges and our leaders and we ourselves have sinned against you. We have committed the four sins that can bring national destruction if we do not repent. Yes. Number one is forsaking God. And we have turned against you by the Supreme Court saying, we don't want you in our public life anymore. Mm. Number two is the shedding innocent blood. And number three is sexual immorality. God is an avenger of sexual immorality, yes. according to the book of Thessalonians. Mm. And he's an avenger of blood. So those are two great things that will bring vengeance if you don't repent. And the last is greed, Lord. We have committed terrible greed. We lust after things like airplanes, and we all lust after things, just right. because Randy mentioned it. There's so many fun things to do in this world, Lord. Entertainment has seduced us. We pray to have, Lord, you want us to be happy, but there's only happiness and freedom in you yes. through surrender. Amen. So we as, we as individuals repent of our sins. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell people about Jesus, get them saved and into a Bible-believing church because there is much apostasy in this nation in what claims to be Christian religions. Mm -hmm. Show us the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus Christ alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Alan. Profound, wonderful. I love you, man. And we'll keep praying for you and, and the good work you're doing. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brothers.